This is Robert with Enid Monthly In-Depth. Today's podcast is with Corey Clayton. Corey is a member of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame for his contributions in coaching and organizing state and national wrestling tournaments. Corey also wrestled for OSU and John Smith's first year as coach. In this podcast, we talk about Corey's own wrestling career in high school and college, building high school programs both here in Enid and Tulsa, his continued efforts as a volunteer for local wrestling, as well as a little bit about his current career as a financial advisor for Edward Jones. You don't want to miss it. On a personal note, thank you for bearing with me as I know the sound isn't great yet. I'm slowly figuring out how to use the software and think that you will find future podcasts will sound a lot better, so stick with me. As always, thanks for listening to Enid Monthly In-Depth. Here's Corey Clayton. Hey, this is Robert Falk with Enid Monthly In-Depth, and I'm here with Corey Clayton. Uh, Corey is with me because I love wrestling, and uh, uh, Corey is one of our local uh, wrestling savants, and he's got lots of experience in wrestling, and uh, and he's also a great financial advisor, but uh, we're really going to focus on some wrestling today. How are you, Corey? I'm great. Thank you. Well, Corey, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Anytime I can find somebody to talk wrestling with, then I, I love it, and, and, uh, and to get you here to... Uh, uh, you know, stuck in a place and have to talk wrestling with me for the next uh, few minutes is pretty cool. So thank you for doing this. Well, thanks for having me. Well, good. Well, Corey, let's talk a little bit about where you're from. Where'd you come from? So if you want the long version, I actually grew up, uh, my dad was in the Air Force, so we did quite a bit of traveling. And uh, I I, uh, grew up most of my life in Altus, Oklahoma. And uh, that's where I started wrestling and got introduced to the sport. And then in high school, we moved to Norman, Oklahoma. And, and I wrestled for Norman for four years before going to college. Well, this is a pretty good re- – at least used to be a pretty good wrestling community. Yes. Is it still that way? Or uh, Yeah. They're, um, they've won a few state championships and been very competitive over several decades. So that, that's kind of what got me started. But how old were you when you started? So, so it's interesting, and we've kind of incorporated this in Enid, um, but I'd never even thought about wrestling. And the high school coach came out and talked to us when we were in the fifth grade and said they were doing a, a wrestling camp. And you, you practiced for two weeks, an hour a night, and then at the end of the two weeks, you just wrestle a little four-man tournament. And so that was my exposure. I had about two weeks of experience. I went to the tournament. There was a bye in my bracket, uh, so there was only three of us. I lost my first match, got destroyed, ended up third, got a medal, because I got a forfeit for fourth, and uh, thought I was a wrestler. And then I did it the next year in sixth grade, had two weeks of wrestling, went to a tournament, lost to the same kid, and ended up third again. So I've got two third-place medals, and I think I'm a good wrestler at this point. <laughs> About how old were you, did you say? Um, fifth and sixth grade. Okay, all right. Uh, so uh, not uh, some of the kids start wrestling now at four and five, yeah. but uh, uh, but fifth and sixth grade. And so obviously you ended up doing pretty well. You went to Norman, and uh, what kind of wrestler were you at Norman? So um, I would say I was uh, maybe a little bit above average. We, we had uh, four or five guys on our team that were pretty good. We, we went to the state tournament. Um, we placed at almost all the tournaments. Um, but I wasn't, a, I wasn't a high school standout. I'll tell you, my break kind of came from um, just being in Norman. OU went through a, a remodel of their wrestling room. So the college guys came and worked out with us for about a month. And a guy that was my weight was a guy named Baron Blankley, and he was a national runner-up. And uh, I had to work out with him every day. And Coach um, Abel 
watched that and decided to give me an offer to come wrestle at OU because of the workout that I had done with their national runner-up. Oh, that's interesting. What weight class were you? Did you in high school? Um, well, I went to uh, state at 157. I'd come in uh, the room about 178, 185. And then uh, I, I made the cut down to 157. That's it. We call that big boy weights. <laughs> there, it was pretty competitive, at least when I. Uh, uh, what year did you graduate high school? 1988. Okay. Uh, and so you went to OU. Did you uh, uh, wrestle there for a couple of years? So my my first uh, my first college semester was at OU, um, and I found the most challenging part was not class or wrestling. In fact, wrestling was going great. Um, was that I was still around too many of my friends that weren't going in the right direction. And so I made the decision I was going to transfer to OSU and, and wrestle at OSU. That's where I always wanted to wrestle. Um, huge OSU fan growing up. and uh, But I didn't have any money offered to me for OSU. So I went ahead and made the transfer. And I got there and I realized um, somehow I've got to pay for college. So I ended up in the National Guard. I ended up working two or three jobs. And I just thought my wrestling career was over. And a couple years later, um, OSU went through probation. They went through a coaching change. And a lot of the guys that I had wrestled with in high school um, came. Uh, I still ran around with them. I saw them. They came and they talked me into going back out for wrestling. And I happened to be sitting in the stands when OSU was wrestling Minnesota. And the match got over, and I was walking out, and John Smith cornered me. And, and of course, John Smith was my idol. I'd never talked to him. And he, he knew me by name, and he said, uh, I want you in practice Monday. And so I went home that weekend to my parents, and I said, well, I, I got to leave. It was Christmas break. I said, well, I got to leave early because I got practice Monday. And they're like, for what? <laughs> I go, well, I'm wrestling at OSU now. So it was pretty exciting. Were they supportive? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They They were like, why? You know, because um, I, I had been I'd been out for a few years. I'd actually been helping coach high school wrestling at Stillwater High School. Um, that really kind of had made me change. I went to college originally to be in finance and business. And I started working with Stillwater High School and um, realized I really enjoyed it. I had a passion for helping kids and. Uh, changed my major to education. I planned on, I'm going to graduate, go teach and coach wrestling for a little while. And then, then hopefully someday I'll go back, find my way back to finance, which was my first passion. And so all that happened about the same time that they talked to me about wrestling at OSU. So I thought I'm going to be a wrestling coach. What a, what a great place to learn wrestling than in the, the best wrestling program in the country. I didn't ever have any expectations of ever starting for them. Or, or really being a factor, I just thought, you know, this would be great. I'll go in there and get to learn from John Smith and work out with some of the best wrestlers. Yeah. There's a lot of those guys that uh, go in and, and don't really have, or they don't think they have much of a chance to get on the mat, uh, but they're good room guys and uh, good practice guys and that sort of thing. So it's cool that you ultimately got an opportunity. Yeah. It, and, it will, you know, and, and the, the, the funny thing about the story, so my workout group was um, – Kenny Monday was the assistant coach. He was an Olympic gold medalist, for those that don't know, couple-time national champion at Oklahoma State, four-time high school state champion. And then um, another guy named Mark Branch, uh, who ended up being a four-time NCAA finalist, two-time NCAA champion, head coach at Wyoming. Uh, Pat Smith was in around there. He's a four-time NCAA champion. Um, 
J.J. McGrew was a national champion that year. And so that was kind of the group that I got to work out with. So I was kind of their easy match while they, <laughs> while they went at each other. Those are some pretty good guys. Yeah, that was uh, it was quite an eye-opening experience. Well, backing up just a little bit, you uh, you said you got to OSU in the early '90s. So, did uh, did you have any relationship at all with Coach Say? No, I did not know Coach Say. Uh, you know, other than going and watching wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, I was when I made that transfer, I realized I didn't even I didn't even go talk to the wrestling program because I didn't have the money to even enroll at first. I had to start working right away to put some money in the bank and. You knew it was going to be tough to, yeah. uh, and the life of a college athlete isn't conducive to having a couple of jobs for sure. Yeah. So, well, I, I do have a kind of a funny story about Coach Say. He, uh, when I was in high school and wrestling, and I, I wasn't a good wrestler at all. I was terrible, and uh, I could probably tell you how many lights are in every gym in Oklahoma City. That's how bad I was. Uh, but uh, Coach Say came. He was at John Marshall. And we would go from Northwest Class to John Marshall every once in a while. And he's a little guy, and uh, he called out the biggest heavyweight, who was a, a state finalist, uh, a all-state football player at John Marshall, uh, and he told him to take him down. And uh, uh, this big guy was like, what? You know, and so he tried to shoot a single leg on this little guy. And, and uh, Coach Say just, I mean, took him down, put him on his back and made him tap out. And uh, and so he said, the, the two keys to wrestling are pain and immobilization. And I'll never forget that ever as long as I live. But uh, he was a pretty good dude. I mean, obviously at OSU, he, it, it, uh, at the end, was kind of tough for him. But uh, uh, that was an interesting time for you to come back in because uh, Coach Smith was uh, just finishing his uh, Olympic career, his, his uh, national or international career at that time. Uh, so in 92, is that when you started at OSU or was it 93? So 93. So I, if if I my history, if I remember it right, John was kind of the interim head coach in 92 and then was actually the head coach my first year. I mean, so it was really his second year as head coach, but my first year he had the official title of, of head coach. And it, it was interesting because I was a little older um, than most the average. I was a junior that year, a little older because I had been working my way through school and uh, took a took a little time off, went to basic training in that time period. So I was about 20, 22, 23 at that time. And John was only a few years older yeah. than me. Um, him coming right off uh, Olympic gold medal and me being out of the room for three or four years. Um, and, and the interesting thing about Coach Smith is, uh, in his early years, um, I think he thought everyone had the same pain tolerance and work ethic and discipline he had. And and, uh, um, so he had very little tolerance if you weren't willing to, you know, put it all on the line and sacrifice it. So it was a good lesson for me. Yeah. Well, uh, in 93, when you were there, that that, uh, they were on probation, right, because of the say years. And so was that uh, was that difficult to get kids uh, uh, amped up to go to the uh, if they knew they weren't going to make the NCAA tournament or well I'll tell you what what happened was we had a lot of um, potential national champions Tony Perler transferred to Nebraska won a national title Jody Wilson transferred to Iowa State was an All-American Pat Smith redshirted so a lot of those guys who were really um, at that caliber um, that were recruited there to win a national title, um, either redshirted or transferred out. And so the, that's the reason Corey Clayton gets talked to about, hey, come on out for wrestling, because really they needed some guys who could go out and compete. We still wrestled a full season 
Um, we just didn't get to go to the conference tournament mm-hmm. or the national tournament. Well, and it was a little bit of a down year for OSU that year. Is that one of the reasons why? Because we lost some of those guys and yeah, some of the guys and, redshirted? Yeah, and we had some guys who um, may have been a, a backup um, in any other year, but they got to step in the lineup that year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, in the next year, were you still on the team in 94? Yeah, so in 94, I was on the team. Um, I was battling for a spot at 167. Um, in my mind, my history serves as a pretty good battle between me and Mark Branch, who was a redshirt freshman and I was a senior. Um, and uh, Mark got the nod just because, uh, you know, Coach Smith called us in the office and said, he's a freshman, he's got four more years, you're a senior, um, but we want you to stay around. Um, so I did. I stayed around as long as I could. I worked out. I got to wrestle some, still competed. Um, and then we went on and won the national title in that yeah. year. Uh, that was a pretty good uh, run for them, uh, for Coach Smith right at the beginning, that uh, few national titles in just a few years. So yeah. that's uh, And that's pretty cool to be able to win a national title the year you come off probation and, and uh, kind of uh, – a gig to the NCAA, I would think. So, well, cool. Well, that's uh, so uh, obviously you enjoyed wrestling enough to uh, you went to coach after that, right? Yeah. So, like I had said, I'd made the decision that I wanted to be a coach. Um, that's why I went back into the OSU room. Um, realized how little I actually knew about wrestling once I got in that room, but uh, was excited about the opportunity for coaching and. Uh, my first opportunity after college uh, job was open in Enid, Oklahoma. I'd never even been to Enid, um, but it was a head coaching opportunity right out of college, and that's what I was looking for. So I came over here, I interviewed, I got offered the job, and next thing you know, I'm I'm packing up my car and moving to Enid. Well, was let me. It's pretty uncommon at the time. It was probably five A, right? That that was right. the highest class. Uh, it's pretty uncommon for a kid right out of high school or college to get a five A 5A high school coaching job. Uh, was that because there just wasn't much of a program here, or? Uh, I think that was a factor. I mean, I think they were looking for somebody um, that was excited and willing to build a program. Um, I I think the fact that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. My first job interview was Ardmore, Oklahoma, and, and they do have quite a wrestling program. And I felt like I did really well in the interview. And they came back and said, we want to hire you. You just have zero experience. And so uh, I went on that job interview to Ardmore by myself. I didn't want any help. I wanted to earn it on my own. And then I came back and thought, well, that's stupid. I've got John Smith who could give me a recommendation. So I used him as a recommendation and the next job I interviewed was for Enid. So I think having the backing and support of Coach Smith and then them wanting to just have a wrestling person, um, I think those two things contributed to me getting hired here. Even even today, it's still pretty challenging right out of um, college to get a head coaching position. Um, but it's not unheard of. Mm-hmm. It happens. What, uh, did you uh, teach as well at the time? Yes. What, what subject did you teach? So I taught um, history, um, multicultural history, actually, um, I believe was a brand new subject. And I taught um, world history, um, mostly sophomores. Okay. And so that was, um, I was just as excited about teaching as I was coaching wrestling. So uh, it was just a, 
I was young and I was passionate about making a difference and I felt like, you know, there's not a better way to do that than to work with young young people. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about the uh, wrestling job then. Did you enjoy it? Was it tough to get the guys out? So, um, you know, th- those were some dark periods for Enid Wrestling. Um, when I got here, I think they had um, had several coaching changes prior to me getting there. Um, and I don't think they had won a duel in several years. Um, now, they just a few years before I got here, they had had a state champion. Um, Robert Lord had, I think he had moved in here his junior year, qualified for state, and then won state his senior year. And I, I may be off on that, but I think that's pretty close. Um, and they actually had a really good wrestling coach here at the time, Todd Steidley. Todd Steidley. Um, also came here right out of college, got the head coaching job. Um, so the potential to build a program was there. And then uh, Coach Steidley left Enid after one season, went to Bristow and built a powerhouse at Bristow, and then went to Ponca City and won um, several state championships there. And today he's the head coach at, at UCO, University of Central mm-hmm. Oklahoma. I, I knew I knew that name from somewhere. So. Um, but he um, he left after one season. They brought another guy in who I'm not even sure was a wrestling guy. Um, the program numbers had dwindled. I think when I got here, we had probably less than 30 kids, kindergarten through senior. Oh, wow. I mean, there was just the, the, the it kind of depleted. Um, and so that was the first task. I, I would probably say... Um, the program was at the, the lower depth in the state of, of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Well, not lower than Northwest class, and I can tell you that. It <laughs> so, might have been a good duel. All right. Well, yeah, I, uh, uh, I could tell you we uh, we struggled to even uh, fill half of our weights a uh, couple of years. But uh, what uh, tell us about uh, how did you go about recruiting kids to, to come out for wrestling? Was that difficult to do? Um, a little bit. I mean, it took a little while. I mean, I think the thing, um, we had some good, um, you know, some kids who had wrestled for a little while in the program, and and um, they had some experience, and um, they were good kids. And I think, you know, them seeing that somebody came into the program that actually cared about it and wanted to help them get better, I think that helped change the attitude a little bit. And I think they were advocates for the sport. Um, so it, it took a while to really, so, so let me back up for a second. Um, if we've got some non-wrestlers listening, um, the state of Oklahoma in the sport of wrestling, um, is by far one of the top states in the country. Um, when we, when we go compete at the high school level nationally, Oklahoma, I, I know back then, because I eventually ended up on the, on the staff, we had a national dual tournament where high schools all over the country come wrestle in this national dirt dual tournament and Oklahoma won nine out of 11 years. Um, and then if you go on to the college level, we've got like Oklahoma state university that we talked about, they've won 34 national titles, but it, it doesn't stop there. The university of Oklahoma's won seven national titles. A lot of people forget about them. They, and the Heisman of, of wrestling is named after an OU wrestler. Yes. But you talk to OU people, they, they have no clue a lot of times. Well, and, and it's sad because really when you look at the overall rankings of the top wrestling college programs in the country, OU's in the top five. Mm-hmm. 
So you have OSU who probably sits on top if you look at the overall history, and then you have OU also in that top five. And then you go down to the Division II level, we have the University of Central Oklahoma, and they've won between NAIA and NCAA Division II, they've won 15 national titles. And then you have um, NEO, Northern East, Northeastern Oklahoma College, that um, they're a junior college and they just recently won three national titles. But the most interesting piece of our college history is Oklahoma City University and they recently started women's wrestling and they've won four national titles in women's wrestling. So, and, and to win a national title is quite an accomplishment, but I think it's also a testament to the quality of wrestling that we have in Oklahoma. So let's circle back to that 1994-95 season, first year as a head coach in Enid, and we were, we were putting kids in the lineup um, that had never stepped on a mat before in 5A, which is the largest class, competing against teams um, that were ranked in the top 20 and the top 40 Midwest in City, the country. Choctaw, Broken Arrow, El Reno. El Reno. And so um, even though we had a handful of kids that were pretty good, pretty competitive, and wrestled for a little while as a team, you just can't compete when you're sticking guys who are, are just learning the sport out there and competing against people who have started when they were four and five and six years old. Uh, and wrestled year round, you know. For a lot of those years. Let me ask you this: one thing that I've kind of noticed in tennis, and then I, and now that I've got uh, somebody that I care about is just started wrestling as uh, uh, as a seven year old. That one thing that seems like it's a challenge is that we don't have anybody to wrestle around here. So uh, as in, for the youth program, so you have to travel to Oklahoma City or Tulsa or places like that for. Um, uh, for tournaments and duels and that sort of thing. So is that kind of a challenge? That, it is. that since it's a travel sport more yeah. than a, uh, you can't just go uh, be part of a local league uh, like you can in, in uh, baseball or softball or uh, sports like that. Yeah. So so it is definitely um, some adversity that we have to overcome to build a program. Um, not only the travel to go wrestle in competitions. But also, when you're a metropolitan area like Tulsa or Oklahoma City, you can work out with kids from multiple programs. And so I, I know we used to run um, a little, probably get into this a little bit about my coaching, but I, I also coached in Tulsa. And uh, we could run a club program and kids from all over the Tulsa area would drive to work out in our room. And for them, it might be a 10 minute drive, a 20 minute drive. But they're, they're getting to work out with some of the best kids in the country. We're getting to work out with some of the best kids in the country, and it's right there local. And then, and then to get up on a Saturday morning and drive 10 minutes to a different school to wrestle in a meet, big difference. We're here. We only have each other to work out with unless you want to drive an hour and a half to go to Oklahoma City or, or go to some other program to work out, and then to compete, it's the same way. So what, what would be a half a day event for most parents turns into an all day event. Um, and so then that that's a little bit of a deterrent for some parents to, because the parents have to make the commitment along with the child. You know, kid, you know, a young boy or girl comes home and says, I want to wrestle and parents say, great. And then they find out, okay, I've got to start giving up my Saturdays to go spend all day in a gym and watch my child wrestle two or three times, um, 
that that becomes a little bit of adversity that mm-hmm. we've got to find ways to overcome. Yeah. Uh, so you uh, so you're at Enid High. You just started. You're trying to rebuild the program. Uh, how long did it take you to start being competitive? I would say um, to really really be competitive, it took about four years. Um, what what we did. Um, the, the first thing is I went out and I tried to find other coaches that we could bring to Enid that were passionate about wrestling, who wanted to be involved and help build it. Um, so we did that. We brought in some some uh, guys who had wrestled before and they wanted to help be part of it. The other thing that was a big factor in us getting competitive pretty quick um, was we had broken into three middle schools. So we had a team at Waller. Um, we had a team at Emerson and we had a team at Longfellow and I had a coach at each one of those locations. And so now we went from having 10 kids in middle school wrestling to having 40 kids at Waller. We had 25 kids at Emerson and we had about 20 kids at Longfellow. So now, you know, we went from 10 kids in the whole middle school program to about 75 kids. That's a big deal. 40 65, 75, 85 kids. Um, So that helped, but it takes a few years for those kids to work their way up to the school, the high school. I had some great coaches uh, helping at that time too. And some of them, we just got lucky. Um, They happened to take a job in in Enid and they had a wrestling background and we sat down and we talked and they're like, yeah, I want to be part of the program. And they, and they were very instrumental in helping. Um, another thing we did was we started wrestling year round. So for the kids that were willing to make the commitment, we did freestyle and we did Greco in the spring. Um, we went to summer camps. Um, so anything we could do, we would bring college wrestlers into town to do a summer camp. Um, I would go to the youth practices at night and help, um, my youth coaches. Um, so we, so we would have that relationship with those kids and so all those things, I think, help. But anytime you're building a program, um, you've got to get numbers. You've got to get um, coaches and parents on board. And you got to change the culture. Mm-hmm. It seems like uh, uh, now at some point, kind of the wrestling fell off. A lot of the sports fell off and ended uh-huh. because they combined all those middle schools back again. And now that they're in the last few years, they've tried to really uh, separate them again to get more participation. Do you feel like that that's uh, going to be a key to success in the future? I, I think it would definitely help. Um, I, I think you can be, um, you know, when you're going out and you're competing with schools that have multiple middle schools and they have, you know, two or three quarterbacks playing and then all of a sudden they merge into high school and you've got three quarterbacks that have experience as a starter versus having one team with a quarterback and a backup quarterback um, I hate to say it, you kind of put all your eggs in one basket unless somebody develops or if something happens to that quarterback, then, then, you know, you're going to have some challenges. Or transfers out or all moves, yeah. whatever. So, uh, well, in my research, I noticed that you had two state titles as a coach. Was that here in Enid or was that at uh, your job at Tulsa Union? So, so I stayed in Enid for about five years. Um, I really enjoyed Enid. I really felt like the program was changing. Um, but as part of the national staff, um, going to the national tournament every summer with the Oklahoma high school kids, I started to get some, some pressure, I guess, good pressure from some other schools to look at what they had available. 
And uh, one of them that kept popping up was Tulsa Union. Uh, I had uh, the Broken Arrow coach, actually, Steve Dunlap, who's a good friend of mine, kept saying, uh, you need to talk to Tulsa Union. That job's open, and I think you would be a good fit there. And I'm like, I don't want to leave Enid. I think we've got a great thing going. We actually had a lot of young freshmen and sophomores that had come up through this program we were talking about. They had wrestled at the middle school level and, and Waller Middle School at the time under under Jason Sternberger, who is now, I believe, the superintendent in Hennessy, and Hennessy just started wrestling. But Stern, Jason Sternberger was uh, my junior high coach at Waller, and he had taken that program and turned it into one of the best middle schools in the state. They were competing with Mustang, who at the time was a powerhouse, El Reno. Um, Putnam West was a powerhouse, which is eventually where Archie Randall came from and moved to El Reno. Um, so, so they were competing with all those, and there were a handful of kids that were on their way up into the high school program. Um, and then Longfellow had two or three really good kids that we were keeping our eye on that we thought would be um, very instrumental part in our, our turn of the program. So I, I wasn't looking to leave, um, not to get political, but one of the, the biggest challenges I had in Enid was um, just the funding for the school. We had gone through, in, in the five years I'd been here, I'm pretty sure they did not pass a bond issue in five years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we didn't have air conditioning at the high school. Um, we didn't have technology. And so it was more an education issue than, than wrestling. Um, and so Tulsa Union finally gets me to say, um, okay, I'll come, I'll come talk to you. Uh, I had recently just got married. My wife was from from this area, so I really was not sure that we would even leave if this this happened. Um, but I talked to her, and she said, "No, go do the interview." So I went, and, and I'll tell you, the facilities just blew me away. Um, for people that have been to different high schools, um, Tulsa Union has. Um, facilities that are almost second to me. Yeah. Um, I, I tell you the tennis tournament this last year, I was, uh, uh, I couldn't believe it that uh, they had a tennis facility at the high school that looked like theirs did. So I can imagine the other facilities are the same way. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it was pretty impressive. The classroom, the support for the education. Um, so it was a very tough decision because I, I love the wrestlers I had and the, and the parents were incredibly supportive and the administration um, Bill Mabry, the athletic director, all incredibly supportive and very helpful in trying to get this wrestling program built and turned around. Uh, but ultimately, it just became, um, it, it just felt like the right move. You know, I'd been here five years. We had gotten the program up and going. Um, Tulsa Union, actually, um, I believe at that time, was probably worse than Enid. Uh, so, so we left Enid. Um, that was an up-and-coming program, and we went to Tulsa Union, which I think the year before I got there was 1-14. in 14. They had had seven different coaches in seven years, and, and they were kind of in the same state that Enid was when I would got to Enid. Um, but they were in a metropolitan area. They had good facilities, and I felt like they also had good uh, administrative support and parent support. So it just looked like the right opportunity. Okay. Uh, and so it took a little bit to build that program up, but it ultimately was pretty successful. It, it did. Um, so some of the same challenges, I mean, we, but the difference is our numbers were low, but I had a really good group of juniors and seniors there when I got there. 
Um, so the turnaround was pretty quick. The, the first year, I mean, we were one and seven or one and 15 the year before I got there. The next year, um, I think we won 12 duels. Um, so we had a winning season the first year, but then my good group of seniors graduated. And then the next year we had a 500 season and my juniors graduated and we were starting, um, really from scratch again. I, I think that year I got there, we had two or three sophomores and those were my starters by the time they got there. So, so our numbers were down. So we went through the same thing. We, we found good coaches. We tried to bring in guys who wanted to build a program. It was a little easier because you're in a metropolitan area. People, you know, to, to, that is a challenge we have in Enid with all sports is uh, people don't know how great Enid is. If they've never been here and lived here, they just don't know. In, in fact, the funniest thing is when I would talk to somebody about, hey, I want you to come work with his knee, they pictured that we were on the edge of the panhandle out by Colorado <laughs> or something. I don't, I don't know what they think. Um, but, you know, recruiting coaches was a little bit easier. We found a good coaching staff. Um, we started the intramural program there, just like what I got started in wrestling in Altus. I incorporated that in, in Tulsa. Um, we got... We had one junior high, but what we did was we split it into two varsity teams and we let them go wrestle varsity schedules. Um, and they each had their own coach that helped. Um, and our numbers went up dramatically because of all these things, but it took several years. Yeah. Ultimately, you coached three national champions. Were they all from Tulsa Union? Um, so that's a little deceiving. One of them was a two time national champion. Um, but yes, they were from Tulsa Union. Um, back, back in 2007, um, we had at the Fargo, the national tournament, um, which was freestyle, we had a uh, Jamal Parks who won a national title, was a three-time high school state champion, and Joey Sheridan who won a national title and was a three-time state champion. Uh, and then we had another young man named Seth Vernon who um, was an All-American that year. And so it was a great uh, national tournament to have three kids from one school, two national champions. Where they end up going to college? So uh, Jamal ended up at Oklahoma State University and ended up being an All-American there. Um, Seth Vernon signed with OU and uh, wrestled quite a bit. I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what he placed at the Big, Big 12 back then, but was a Big 12 placer. Uh, and then Joey Sheridan signed with Old Dominion and went out there for a year or two, and then he came back, and he's in Tulsa now. Okay. Well, one thing you mentioned is that Oklahoma has a tradition of wrestling that's uh, kind of unique, especially in the South. Uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, those kinds of places, those are uh, their high school and college programs are are fantastic. Obviously, our college programs are great, but but if you just look around, like at Arkansas, they just started their first collegiate program or Division One collegiate program in Arkansas, which is just mind blowing to me that they uh, uh, that they didn't have a Division One college program in the entire state. Yeah, so I'm excited about that, um, and I'm even more excited because the guys at the helm uh, for the University of Little Rock, Arkansas, are Oklahoma State guys. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and in fact, they just brought in a new guy that had wrestled for Oklahoma State as well as a new assistant. So they've I got think, Neil Earsman, right, is the head so coach. Neil Earsman's the head coach, um, wrestled at Oklahoma State, was team leader, captain, um, had a really good college career. But uh, I think the biggest testament to Neil is he's an incredibly hard worker and he's dedicated to the sport. And I think he's going to do great things at Little Rock. 
He brought in um, Chandler Rogers as one of his assistants, who is an All-American for OSU, um, incredible wrestler. He's also a high school national champion, one of the top recruits in the country coming out of high school. Um, and then uh, they have, uh, and I apologize, I'm not going to remember um, the other assistant's name, um, but has been a high school coach before and a college coach before, and uh, he's out of Florida, and now he's in there helping. And so he's got a diverse background in coaching, and I think he does a great job. But just recently, they brought over Albert White, who had been um, the head Edmund Memorial coach and the head Cushing coach, but he wrestled at Oklahoma State. Um, and now he's over there as well, helping them build that program. Well, they've become, uh, you know, they're not going to compete for national championship anytime soon, but they've become pretty competitive for uh, being a smaller program and a new program very quickly. I've been really impressed by that. Uh, I'll tell you the most impressive thing. It, uh, Arkansas, um, not, not a traditional powerhouse in wrestling. Like you said, they just started high school wrestling a few years ago. Um, but he has cracked, I believe, the top 25 recruiting class, which is an mm -hmm. incredible feat for a Division One school that's so new, coming out of a state that doesn't really have a background in wrestling. Well, it had an NCAA tournament guy with Bianchi last year, and, yeah. and uh, uh, so I've been really, uh, I've been following that. I let, uh, we talk about podcast. I, uh, I listened to the Rock, uh, I think it's called Rocked Up or Let's Get Rocked or something. Mark Bryant did a pretty good podcast series that talked about the development of the program, and, and uh, that was very... Uh, 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 very informative, and I've, I thought it was really cool to uh, hear about it. Lots of Oklahoma State stuff in there too. So, uh, well, with that, uh, Texas is another program, another state that uh, doesn't have a huge uh, tradition of wrestling that is uh, kind of on the cusp of uh, exploding, in my opinion. Uh, they've got some additional programs in high school that they've started, and they definitely have uh, with like Tamira Mensa Stock from the on the women's side has been uh, been very. Uh, uh, very good. So uh, do you see them as being a, a power that's coming up in the next couple of years? Uh, absolutely. Um, we, in fact, we host a big tournament here. We might get to that in a little bit, but we bring up seven or eight schools from Texas that, that can compete with anybody. Um, some of those individuals have, I mean, they've got, you know, for years, if you wrestle a Texas guy, it was like, okay, well, this is going to be uh, easy. That's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, incredible quality wrestlers coming out of Texas. They've had an Olympic gold medalist. People don't even um, realize Brandon Slay is originally from Texas and went and wrestled at the at the University of Penn, I believe. Mm -hmm. It may be Penn State, but I think it was University of Pennsylvania. Well, I guess A.J. Ferrari, I mean, even though technically they were born in New Jersey, were uh, Plano kids or, or, uh, uh, or Dallas area kids and uh, that have come up to Stillwater now. So uh, uh, so they've got a little bit of tradition that's starting, I guess. And uh, so that's going to be great to see for, for the Southern wrestling. Be good for OSU because they'll be able to recruit a little closer to home uh, rather than getting out to California or New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Yeah, so I, I think one of the big factors to that is we've lost a lot of high school um, wrestling coaches to Texas. So we're seeing a lot of the guys who grew up and wrestled in Oklahoma, had good wrestling careers in Oklahoma, move to Texas, get teaching jobs, and start wrestling programs down there. Now I'm not giving, I'm not taking all the credit to Oklahoma for Texas' success, but we're seeing that. I've seen, I've even met a guy, uh, a handful of people that are in Texas building programs from Iowa, which is another powerhouse state. Um, and so 
I think it's a big it's a big mecca, and with the number of high schools they have down there, and the number of or the amount of athletic support they get in Texas for all sports, I think it's just a matter of time before Texas is uh, you know competing on that national level as well. Me too. Well, uh, so at some point you decided you weren't gonna uh, you were done coaching at Tulsa Union. Did you go straight to finance from that point? Um, well, no. It, it it took a little while to end up where where I wanted to be and where I am now, um, which is the same place. Uh, but right out of, um, I, I originally thought I was going to take my, my coaching and, and move into the university level as an athletic administrator. And, uh, I, I did some work at the university of Tulsa for about a year while I was going back to school to get my master's. Um, and I was trying to figure out how I would make my entrance, um, to kind of the next phase. Was that financial? Was that the yes, main reason? Yes, that's, that's where I wanted to be. I mean, it was either, um, you know, I, I wanted to either run run a business or be in the financial world. I, I just wasn't sure how to make that entrance. And uh, actually, the opportunity came. So, so I left um, 2009, 2010 was really my last year to help coach. Uh, we had just come off a state championship at Tulsa Union. Um, so the program was at an all-time high. Um, I had decided, uh, with the birth of my, my last child, he's 13 now, I had decided that if I was going to make the transition back into, you know, what I originally had gone to school to do, I, I better do it soon or I would never make that transition. Um, so I, uh, actually had an opportunity to move back to Enid and take over a small business. Um, and, and my wife, like I had said earlier, was from Enid. Um, she was not opposed to the idea of moving closer to home, to be closer to family. And so we, we talked about it, and it just seemed like a, a good decision. So we, we up and moved back to Enid. My oldest son um, was going into the ninth grade that year, and, and he had wrestled and was going to be a wrestler. And so... Um, you know, I quickly got reacquainted with, with the Enid coaches and the Enid program, and, and I was working, um, trying to help raise money for the wrestling program and get back involved in the community. And, and so it wasn't long after that that I was raising money from uh, a guy from Edward Jones. And uh, here I am trying to sell him on giving us money, and it turns out that he was recruiting me to go to work for Edward Jones. All right. Well, let's back up just a minute now. You said your wife was from me. Did y'all meet when you moved here to coach, or did y'all so meet before? She was actually from Wacomus, um, which is a little town south of here. Most people probably know where that is if they're from here. Um, while I was teaching and coaching here, we just met in, in the community out and about, um, and we dated for a while, and then... Um, you know, got married and shortly after moved to Tulsa. And you've talked about two sons. Is that how many kids you have? Yeah, or? so I, I have a 25-year-old son and I have a 13-year-old son. Okay. Uh, and uh, so he, the older son, you said, started wrestling when you moved back. And so you were raising money and uh, and ultimately became an Edward Jones guy. Correct. Okay. Uh, and so did uh, during that time, you still helped out with the program though, right? Um, and you continue to. Yeah, when I could. I mean, obviously, um, my level of involvement has gotten a little higher over the years just because, you know, that's that's kind of my passion. I'm not I'm not a very good golfer. If you've ever seen me golf, I, in fact, I'm horrible. <laughs> me too. Um, I don't I don't really fish. I don't hunt a whole lot. I, I don't do those things. What my recreation is, is I like to go sit in the gym all day and, and coach wrestling or, 
or go to a practice when I can and help work on um, developing kids' skills level and getting better at the sport. So you, are you officially an assistant coach for the high school team? Um, I think he's got me listed as that, yes. So, <laughs> but not, maybe not on the payroll. <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so whenever I can get there, I can. And I'll tell you, um, I'm just passionate about what the sport of wrestling can do for young people, girl or boy. Um, it's it's a very, um, it's kind of like you... you you're constantly faced with adversity. I mean, you're, you go into a room, they shut the door, and now you're going to basically go one-on-one with another person. Uh, and, it, and it's a battle. It's physical. And so they've got to overcome adversity. They've got to develop some self-confidence. They've got to learn good work ethic. They've got to have the ability to set some goals and work to achieve goals. So all those things that we know help people be successful in life, it's like you're throwing them in the fire right there to learn those things on the fly. And so it's not as much, I love the sport of wrestling. I love to watch wrestling, um, but it's because I can see the transformation it makes in people whenever they're put into those situations. Yeah. Well, one really cool thing, uh, I went and watched the youth program this last week, uh, and I was, number one, uh, really excited about the facilities, the nice facilities for the youth program that we have at the high school. So that's something that's really nice that the school district obviously provides uh, for the youth program. Uh, has that been kind of a, a benefit for you guys, having a, a nice big gym and so, um, yes. So kind of circle, I, I want to circle back to when I was talking about Tulsa Union's facilities. Um, in the time I've been back, which we, we moved back to Enid back in about 2010, um, Enid has and the community has passed bond issues and, and it's a blessing. I'm, I'm so grateful for the community for doing that. But, you know, we now have a top-notch college center and a new um, gymnasium with music, arts, athletics and so in that package we got a new high school wrestling room um, probably one of the nicest rooms in the state very nice um, with a great um, gymnasium where we're going to do our competitive duels and wrestle and so our old room which was it used to be at emerson middle school and that's where we would uh, commute over to practice is actually also a, a great room it's good it's it's larger than most wrestling rooms in the state now that we've moved out of that room and moved up to the high school into our own room, all the middle school kids and the youth kids practice in the old high school room. Um, so I, I would say the facilities are really starting to help us make a difference for the program. In fact, um, our numbers are larger this year than they've been in, in the last 10 years. And I would say it's because we're right there on campus. We're a visible presence at the high school Kids don't have to get in a car and commute to go to a practice. They just walk out of class and walk down to the gym. So I think over time, that's going to make a huge difference for, for Coach Holland and the wrestling program. Well, I think another thing that's going to be a big deal is is the sixth grade intramural program uh, that uh, I heard there were a bunch of kids, boys and girls, out for the sixth grade intramural program this year. They had a, that kind of a citywide tournament, and it went fantastic. Were you there for that? So, yeah, so um, that's our third year to do this. Um, it's our first year to add girls to it. Um, we have had the last three years about 60. Uh, so so every kid in sixth grade intramurals does the practice for a week or two weeks, however long that, that season is. This year it was two weeks. 
Um, but then the ones that want to can go compete on Saturday at a at like we said an all city tournament. Um, we've we've averaged 60 to 65 kids that actually participate in the event. Um, and we're starting to see those kids. That's their first exposure to wrestling. You, we talked about um, the challenge geographically. Well, we found that we're not getting all those kids that might try wrestling in wrestling in the youth because of the, the geographics and the, and the parents having to commit to it. So we talked and said, why don't we just give them an opportunity to try it out? And then maybe in seventh grade, when we provide transportation and we can get them there, they decide they want to do it. And, and we're starting to see that those kids that are, are going out and they're wrestling for a week or two weeks and they're getting exposure to it. And now they're coming out in the seventh grade and wrestling or eighth grade and wrestling. And like I said, we're seeing our numbers go up because of that. Well, one really cool thing about wrestling is, is that you don't have to be the most fantastic athlete. That uh, it's one of the, in my opinion, one of the only sports that if you put in effort and the technique and learn that stuff, that you don't have to be the best athlete to be really successful at it. So that you, I mean, you have to have some athletic ability. Don't get me wrong, but, but uh, the technique is a, a, a very big part of, of winning uh, matches. So that's one thing I've really liked and enjoyed. Uh, we talked a little bit about girls wrestling. Now that's an exploding uh, uh, nationwide uh, high school sport, and uh, and just participation numbers uh, are down for most other sports across the board. If you talk about high school baseball, high school football, uh, numbers are down nationally, but high school wrestling for girls has just exploded over the last few years. Is that something that you see continuing? And are you excited about that? I'm very excited. I think it's great for the sport of wrestling. I think it's great for for women now that they're going to get the the same opportunity for all the same benefits that I said. I I love it for you know watching these kids develop self esteem, self confidence, work ethic, goal setting. Now there's an opportunity for women to participate and and do that as well. Um, and it is one of the fastest growing women's sports in the country, like you said, not only at the high school level, but we're seeing college programs pick it up. Mm-hmm. In fact, just uh, about a month ago, the first NCAA Division One program announced they're starting women's wrestling. That's the University of Iowa. And for those that don't know, the University of Iowa, um, there's two schools, uh, you know, when you talk about the history of wrestling, and that's the University of Iowa and Oklahoma State University. And so for them to come out and say, hey, we're starting women's wrestling, I, I think it's just going to be a domino effect and you're going to see. In fact, I, I'm, I don't think I'm breaking this news, but I, I would not be shocked that within the next couple of years, Oklahoma State University has a women's wrestling program. Yep. And uh, I know there's already females training at Penn State University, which is probably, if we look at modern history, the powerhouse of wrestling. So, you know, that's kind of your three top programs, Penn State, Iowa, Oklahoma State, and uh I would be um, very shocked if within the next couple of years they don't all have a full-blown Division One women's wrestling program. Well, me too, and one of the big reasons why is because for Title Nine it just makes sense because it's a relatively inexpensive sport uh, that uh, most of them already have wrestling rooms, most of them already have uh, training facilities, and so it's a relatively inexpensive sport uh, to add. Uh, I don't know if you saw, uh, it was kind of a big deal on Twitter, but even Tulsa, at uh, very beginning stages, the University of Tulsa uh, said, oh, that, Brad Carson said it was, uh, oh, that's interesting. Let's really look into that because they're looking to add, uh, potentially add some sports and adding men's and women's wrestling is on their radar at least. So uh, that'd be really cool to add another D1 uh, program there. 
Yeah, I, th I think University of Tulsa is an incredible school. I think it's greatly overlooked. Their facilities are great. Um, and then you take the history of Oklahoma wrestling and, and the fact that Texas is getting competitive and Arkansas is getting competitive and Missouri and Kansas have been competitive for years. I think it could be a mecca. You know, you put something in, in the Tulsa area, um, I think they could build a top-notch program in just a matter of years. I would love to see that. Well, scholarship-wise for the girls, I think that that's going to be the biggest opportunity. Uh, there are going to be huge amounts of scholarships available for girls that are wrestling in the in the future. So if that's something that girls are looking for, looking for is uh, potentially getting a scholarship in an, ath in an athletic endeavor, uh, it's definitely something I'd consider. So um, I, know, I know you've got... A daughter involved in the youth wrestling program. Well, it's my daughter's little sister, so half okay. sister. Uh, but yeah, she's uh, seven, and uh, she's liked it so far. But she got a real wake-up call at a her first tournament last weekend. Wrestled a girl from Standfast, and uh, that has wrestled for four years and got uh, pinned pretty quick. And uh, I uh, told her that uh, that I had a lot of experience in pinning and uh, getting pinned, and so uh, it gets better. So. So uh, how many girls do we have there in the youth? I think I saw five or six. And right. and like you said, one thing that I noticed at the deal is, is that she's a little bigger than the other girl that she was uh, working out with. And, and so, and I don't know if that's, if that's the only person she works out with, but you said like, if you're in Tulsa, you get some other good kids that you wrestle with that are more your size. That's one of the challenges uh, that I, that I saw that particular day is that uh, she was just so much bigger and stronger than the girl she was uh, practicing with. I don't know how much, uh, she got some technique out of it, of course, but how much challenge she got out of right. it. So, well, it, it, it's going to take time, but I, I'm glad that they're in there. We've got seven or eight in the middle school level, and we've got, I believe, our numbers are right now five or six at the high school level. Yep. So this is our second year uh, for Enid to have girls wrestling. Um, really, the first year that we've seen them come out in the middle school level and probably the largest number we've had in youth. So I, I, it's just these girls are pioneers. They're, they're getting this program up and going. And uh, all I can say is tell her to stick with it. I, I hope she does. That uh, it, it, It's a little intimidating. when you're, It's just you in, uh, as a wrestler uh, or tennis or some of the other individual sports that uh, when you get just whooped, that it, it's a little bit of a hit to your confidence. So uh, I hope she sticks with it, and she, she's going to stick with it for the year for sure So because uh, we won't let her quit. But, but uh, I, I hope she continues to like it and, and enjoy it because she likes the practice. So uh, that's the good stuff. Well, one really cool thing that, uh, and you kind of mentioned a little bit is, is that we have a up and coming serious tournament here in uh, a high school tournament here in Enid. Uh, are you the tournament director for that? Uh, yes. Uh, I think that's my title for it. But, <laughs> um, we'll talk a little bit about that. So uh, mid American nationals. Um, it's, it actually started back in 2006 uh, when I was at Tulsa union. Um, we had a, an invitational Tulsa union invitational tournament on that date and uh, it, it had really depleted. I mean, we didn't have very many good teams coming. Um, the numbers were dwindling. And so I, I kind of got my parents together and I said, look, if we're going to host a tournament, we need to do it right. Um, we got some sponsorship. We went out and recruited heavy on some of the top wrestling programs locally. We tried to pull some teams from out of state. Um, so hence, Mid-American Nationals was born. Um, I, I, in that first year, I think we had five top 20 teams in the country come and wrestle. Um, we, we put it on at the new event center, the, the UMAC, um, and it was, it was a hit. It was very big success. 
Um, we ran it there um, till I think I want to say um, I left in 2010. They they maintained the tournament about 2000 and I want to say 13. I I was still in communication with the guy who kind of followed me, and and he was having some challenges. And I just said, we'll take it. We'll take the tournament from you. We'll move it to Enid. He let us do it. We brought it here. Um, we maintain a lot of the same teams. We continue the the level of competitiveness continues to get tougher and tougher every year. Um, we put it on at the Stride Bank Center. It's an incredible facility for it. We put down eight mats. Um, we have uh, the same announcer who calls the national tournament. She comes in and does it. She's the, the voice of wrestling, in my opinion, Lori May. Does an incredible job. We have a great crew of officials. Our parents really step up. They, they understand how to work a tournament now. They run it. Uh, I think some of the biggest plugs, not only is it the best competition because we get seven or eight teams from Texas, we have five or six teams from Kansas, we'll get, uh, I think we've got a team coming in from Louisiana this year, we've got the best teams from Oklahoma, in fact, we have every state championship team from Oklahoma will be competing this year in the tournament. And so when you're talking about the 3A, the 4A, the 5A, and the 6A state championship team, it's really super state you plus you have state championship team from kansas you have state runners up from texas and so it's it's by far become regionally one of the toughest tournaments in the country um, but it's ran so well from the support of all the parents and the and the and the workers the facility the layout of the mats um, we had ran that for a couple years and then the state came in and said we want you to run the dual state tournament. And so I think as a testament to the Stride Bank Center and the parents and and uh, Coach Holland and all the, the people involved in that tournament have also gotten us now, we're the host, probably the, in fact, I know it is, the first time the dual state tournament's been outside of a metro area. So no longer in Oklahoma City or Tulsa, it's in Enid, Oklahoma. So um, that tournament is now going into its, you might do the math for me there, 2006 to, we, last year we did not get to hold it because of COVID, but I think we're in our 14th year mm -hmm. maybe. Um, and, and it just continues to grow and, and get tougher and tougher. So, uh, you know, when I, I was in, in school, that Gary was the big tournament of the year because it was unseated, multi-class and that sort of thing. So is Mid-American Nationals, does it kind of compete with Gary for being a, a on a competitive standpoint or has it yeah. exceeded it by now? Or So great question. Um, well, if you talk to the Gary guys, they would tell you no. <laughs> of course. Uh, and I talk to them all the time. Um, no, Gary is still one of the toughest tournaments in the country. It's still the oldest tournament in the country. Um, little old town of Gary, Oklahoma, and they bring in, um, you know, probably their, their, the only reason I'm going to give them a nod that they're almost as tough as us is because they bring in Blair Academy out of New Jersey, which is typically number one in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, now, they still have a lot of the same teams that come to our tournament, so that doesn't give them any advantage over us. Um, I would say the, the, the competitiveness of both tournaments are probably pretty equal in mind. Now, is it still a double elimination tournament? Mid-American Nationals is a pool tournament, right? Yeah. And then, Gary, is it still double yeah. elimination? So that, that's another um, difference between our events is, uh, you know, they have what's called a straight-line bracket where you wrestle if you lose – 
Um, once you go to the backside, if you lose twice, you're out of the tournament. Uh, it's unseated, so the two top guys can wrestle right off the bat. Um, where our tournament on day one, we put everybody in pools. So you're guaranteed um, four matches in day one. So you're going to wrestle every – you could go 0 and 4 the first day and still um, be competing the next day. You're not out of the tournament. So a lot of coaches like that because they're going to get more mat time. Especially at the beginning – or near the beginning yeah, of the year. We're, we're one of the first big tournaments of the year. So based on how you do in your pool – um, will put you into a bracket the next day. And so if you're top two in your pool, you're going to be wrestling for first, second, third, fourth, all the way through um, top 16. If you're the bottom two in your pool, you're going to go into a, a bracket and compete for 17th through 32. So we're going to know who's number one and who's number 32 at the end of two days. So. That's cool. Well, I, I, I was 0-6 at Gary, so I'm going to blame it on the fact that I got against the number one seed every every time. So, uh, Well, that's really cool. You know, I was, uh, I've was i always been a collegiate wrestling nerd, and I've paid attention to OSU and, and what's going on in the collegiate world, but it's just been the last year or two. Uh, for whatever reason, I've gotten interested in the, more of the high school stuff, and so I didn't even know about Mid-American Nationals until last year in Dual State uh, that we hosted last year, and, and uh, mainly because Stillwater somehow didn't make it last year and I and I was pretty surprised by that so that's really cool that we have those opportunities to do that uh, one other thing uh, as a tournament director you uh, hosted the Olympic trials is that did you do that one year or several years so it it just um, one time it just happened to fall you know Olympics every four years uh, we we hosted what's called Southern Plains Regionals at Tulsa Union we had uh, we had huge facilities uh, and the opportunity to host that tournament and that is I think Missouri, Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma, um, New Mexico may even be in the Southern Plains, Louisiana. So um, we host this tournament for high school and younger to come, and they were looking for a regional Olympic trial um, place, and our name got thrown in the hat, and we said we were definitely interested. And so, um, sure enough, we got the nod that we could host this, and we had... um, guys who were actually competing to try to make the Olympic team. They had to wrestle, and um, we weren't the official Olympic trial. We were the regional, so if they won that regional, they got to go to the the next level, which was the Olympic trials. And so based upon your uh, history of, of a coach, a couple state titles, uh, hosting as tournament director and that kind of thing, you were uh, honored a few years ago with uh, in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame in Stillwater. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's an incredible experience, incredibly humbling um, to be to be kind of mentioned in the in the names of some of those other people that are in that Hall of Fame. It's incredibly humbling. There's uh, my, my credentials as a wrestler do not they pale in comparison to to most of the people there. Um, you know, I, I would say it's just a testament to the same thing we tell our kids. You just um, you know you just work hard, you stay focused, you continue to. Um, you know, overcome adversity and, uh, you know, good things can happen. And that's kind of my career. I've just been lucky. I've been surrounded by great coaches starting with, you know, in high school and then college. And then even even though I jumped out as a head coach right out of college, uh, I was on the Oklahoma National coaching staff. And uh, so you talk about an all-star list of coaches. I was with, uh, you know, Coach Archie Randall and Coach Steve Dunlap and Scott Chenoweth. And these these are names that you may not know, but these are guys who all won multiple state titles as high school coaches, all incredibly successful, all Hall of Fame coaches. 
Um, but that was my, that was my, uh, that's where I got to be an assistant and learn from all these great guys. Um, and it just helped me. It helped me grow as a coach. It helped me grow as a person. Um, and, and it, and it helped me develop my own athletes. And so I, I think those opportunities, uh, kind of kept me passionate and involved in the sport. And, and today it's still a big part of my life. Um, and, and so I, I'm just very blessed that we got, you know, that, that somebody nominated me and I got accepted to the Hall of Fame. Well, well earned. And, and I can tell you, you said uh, about the impact that a high school coach can have on you. Uh, I just met Coach Holland for the first time a few months ago, and I've been very impressed by Coach Holland and his uh, general demeanor and, and love for the sport and volunteer time that he does outside of the high school room to try to build that program with the youth uh, that he doesn't get paid for. So uh, the, uh, it really takes a lot of people that care and volunteers like you and coach Holland, uh, that, uh, to make a program successful, uh, high school program successful. So yeah, coach Holland, um, in my opinion, there's not a better person to help, um, develop young people, the character that he, he portrays and the character that he tries to instill in the athletes. I mean, wrestling's just the tool he uses to develop young men and young women. Uh, and he does an incredible job with that. And the success you know, if you look at the success over the last eight years as he's been the head coach of the Enid Wrestling Program, it's just compounding. It's just growing. He's having, you know, more more junior high state placers, more high school state qualifiers, more high school state placers, kids going and wrestling year-round, all the things that it takes to be successful as a program, he's putting in that time and work. And, and he's put a lot of work into it. He works year-round. Um, he doesn't have a lot of support as far as coaches. I mean, I tell him all the time, if I'm if I'm your assistant, you need to find better assistant coaches because you're working way too hard. You need somebody to be able to share that burden with. Um, but, man, he is just incredible, and I, I, I'm grateful to work with him. Well, I, it's really cool to see some of the high school kids working with the youth program. I saw Trenton's wife uh, there at the uh, at the uh, at practice on Tuesday or when, Monday, whenever I went. Uh, and the team this year looks pretty good. I, uh, I uh, some getting some guys back from injury uh, and from their COVID year, and uh, so I'm pretty excited to see what Ian and I wrestling can do this year. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be, um, if not the best, one of the best teams we've ever put out on the mat. We've got some pretty good experience starting all the way from the lowest weight, 106 pounds, all the way up to heavyweight. Um, we have two or three seniors that, you know, we'll miss next year, but I think they're going to make a huge impact this year, but we're still young, you know, with the exception of those, those seniors like Trenet that you mentioned and Jason Pearson. And, um, we got, uh, one of our guys back. He's been out for a little while with injuries, Jason Sears. I think he's going to be an impact this year. And so, um, I'm just really excited. Dagan Gibbons, another senior, um, former state qualifier. Uh, he brings a lot of athleticism and some really good wrestling knowledge to the team. So uh, I hope our, our goal now that we've really started to build a team and we've got a lot of great wrestling things going on in the community, I want fans in the stand. I want student body. I want them to come see the sacrifice and commitment their classmates have made. And I want parents to come out and support. And uh, we try to, in, in the new arena, uh, you know, we got music blaring. We get, you know, the crowd going. We try to make it a fun, exciting event. 
and and I hope that's our next target is let's grow our fan base in Enid, Oklahoma. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to do what I can for that. We're going to write some online articles about the the, the matches and uh, some uh, uh, some stories about that. So maybe that'll get a few people out. We'll see. But uh, right now, uh, and I know we're getting a little long on time, but do uh, um, you still help out a little bit with the Oklahoma State, uh, some of the stuff at Oklahoma State, right? Um, not a whole lot. I actually just, uh, Clay Hudson, uh, he's another Edward Jones guy here in town. He's very involved with Oklahoma State Wrestling. And uh, in fact, I think he's uh, kind of their booster club president this year. He drags me along. We just, uh, I see. we just, hosted, I knew you had the golf yeah, tournament. Yeah. So that's, that. Uh, so, now that was for the RTC, right? Yeah. And so, so go ahead. How, okay. How did, how did that go? How did the golf tournament go for so, the RTC? So incredible. First year, um, Oklahoma State University put on a, a charity golf tournament to raise money for the regional training center. Um, and incredible turnout. We had uh, past OSU wrestlers, past OSU athletes um, come out and participate. Um, we had a lot of sponsorships. They raised, I, I, I want to say, over $135,000 for the cause, which is incredible. Um, for a first year event, but it just shows you the sport that um, Oklahoma State Wrestling has and the work that that Clay and his crew of people that did. Absolutely, I, I was really excited to see that. And as a as somebody that really cares a lot about the Oklahoma State program, uh, I think as a, a general fan that obviously I don't have any. Uh, personal uh, connection to the program at all, but uh, that you look from the outside and you see like Penn State with a $9 million endowment for their RTC and you see uh, some of the other RTCs that have really uh, expanded. And I know for a while it was kind of on a gray area of, of legality uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, F- and we just haven't really put a lot into it. We've lost a lot of our really good wrestlers to other programs after they've graduated. And so do you think that has Coach Smith uh, uh, taken that into account and really tried to make that? Is that why we saw a fundraiser like that this year? Yeah, I don't want to speak for Coach Smith, but yes, I think he is. Um, he sees the value in that now, and he is uh, trying to raise money to to establish an endowment to be able to fund um, the program, the regional training center, maybe even develop other things like possibly women's wrestling in the future. And so uh, I, I think they've got a lot of other great activities planned. I, I think they're going to do some things to continue uh, in this past raising money and doing things to, to get that established. So, you know, the last couple of years, OSU, uh, you know, still any other year people would be like, oh, that's a great year. You finished third. Uh, I don't Not think they're us. satisfied with that. <laughs> uh, so they got to get back on top, and I think that's what they're working well, on. Well, and definitely if you look at some of the recruits that they've had over the last uh, a couple of years and, and signed this year, uh, Jordan Williams and, and some of those guys, and Angelo Ferrari, uh, Anthony Ferrari, excuse me, that signed uh, uh, yesterday, that you really we really have an opportunity to compete for those national championships in the next couple of years. Yeah, um, the rumor has it that uh, they may compete this year, but next year they're going to win it. Yeah, so. well, with Iowa's team is averages about 24 years old this year, so I think they're graduating about eight guys. Uh, and now Dayton Fix is like a 23-year-old sophomore, so you know we can't really uh, tease them too much about uh, some older older guys. But well, I really appreciate it, and and uh, tell us a little bit about Edward Jones and and uh, what uh, you guys do here in Enid. Um, so if you're not familiar, I mean uh, we're a, we're full um, service. You know, brokerage firm, we help people uh, with multiple goals, um, saving for retirement and, you know, planning for unexpected events. Um, so 
that that's kind of you know somebody asked me one time was it hard to transition from being a teacher and a coach to being a financial advisor and actually it was one of the easiest transitions I've made because um, a lot of what we did as a coach and a teacher is exactly what I do today I help people you know identify what their goals are establish those goals we create a plan to achieve those goals um, we have to deal with some adversity we have to deal with setback um, we have to develop a little bit of confidence in what we're doing, you know, for the, for the client. And so, and, and I do a lot of teaching, so it's actually been an incredible transition, uh, for me and Edward Jones is an incredible company. We have, um, 16 advisors in town, uh, and that just speaks to, um, how much the community trusts and supports what we do. And, and the need and, and the demand for what we do. Yeah. So. Well, it's really cool. And Edward Jones is a, a great, uh, even though it's a national company, the local guys here are big supporters of, of almost anything philanthropic. And uh, we really uh, are lucky to have you guys here in town. So we appreciate that guy. And you said there are 16 now, Anita, is that right? Yeah, I hope I didn't leave anybody out. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Well, I, and everybody does really well. And, and so uh, I can tell you as an Edward Jones guy myself, not as a, one that has an Edward Jones account myself, I've never been happier with uh, with what I uh, the service that I get, and they they definitely do a great job of communication, uh, advice, and uh, can set you up with any kind of thing like a college account, four hundred one k, you know, anything IRAs, uh, any sort of investment advice to try to get you where you're where you need to be. And uh, I can tell you, Robbie calls me every six months and tells me I need to put more in my account, but uh, uh, which is probably smart. So, well, thank you very much, Corey. I appreciate it and uh, definitely come out when's the uh, the first tournaments this weekend uh, uh, for the uh, free it high but they're gonna have some duels coming up where can they find the schedule yes yeah, so um, the schedule will be up on uh, we just have a, a website that's kind of got started it hasn't been updated in a little bit but it's enid wrestling.com um, so they can go there we have a Facebook page enid wrestling uh, group or page um, we've got some posters that are going to be coming out next Wednesday or Thursday, the 18th. We have Meet the Plainsmen. Um, so we'll be giving out posters. Coach Holland will be talking. We'll be doing a little bit of a demonstration of, of what wrestling's like. So if you don't know much about it and you want to learn, that would be a great thing. Enid High School Gym. And what, what day is that? That is Thursday, the 18th. Okay. Um, and then these first two tournaments, uh, first three tournaments are really kind of like scrimmages. The individuals go, they wrestle. Um, it's really a great tool for, for coach Holland and myself to evaluate, okay, this is what we're doing well right now. These are the things we need to work on. It doesn't count against them, um, record wise. And then our first official real opening up is a home duel against Blackwell, um, December 2nd. All right. Well, great. Well, let's get some people out and cheer on the Plainsmen and, and uh, Plains women now or Pacers and uh, yeah. uh, get them uh, some good support. So thanks, Corey. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you.